Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. I am sitting with the Reverend Father David Carter, canon lawyer, Eagle Scout, and pilot, as well as language extraordinaire. And uh, we're, we're extraordinaire. We're, that's French. <laughs> see, there we go. Uh, my yeah, my <laughs> wife is actually she would argue with me, but she's basically fluent in French, and I am not. I don't ever speak. You say, je ne sais pas. Uh, you know, I say, uh, je prends français, évidemment, which is, uh, I speak French, obviously. And that's like one of the only phrases I know in <laughs> French. But I like to uh, irritate her by speaking French in an absolutely horrid accent. Um, an outrageous French accent. Yes, c'est <laughs> là. I missed that one. Uh, that was a quote from Little Mermaid. Oh, I was quoting Monty Python. So, Zitelar is um, it means darn a lot. Oh, it's a great phrase like okay. Um But I'm probably if there's any person who speaks French or is French listening to this, I'm probably <laughs> offending them horribly now. Uh, so I'm just going to stop. And it's not really pertinent to our conversation, other than it's uh, you're you're a language guy. Uh, so we're we're dealing with stuff that uh, where the church is, uh, or the the Catholic and Protestant church have been divided over years. I feel like we should start with like a, a softball instead of like a a heavy topic like let's talk about salvation and hell and everything else like that. Maybe what we could do is just talk about in about scripture. And we can talk about some of the things that we we're gonna we're gonna dive into multiple topics. Like we've got even a list in front of me: salvation, baptism, the Bible, apostolic authority, the saints, Mary, celibacy, marriage, divorce, all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, but we're but we're wanting to be something where people can say, okay, uh, this is where the where we're actually not in disagreement with with Catholics. So let's let's talk about the Bible first. Let's let's let's. Do you want? I mean, do you want to start? What do you want to say about what Catholics believe about the Bible? We just I, throw it out and we don't care because that's some of the garbage that I hear. Oh, that, that Catholics throw out the Bible? Well, throw it out like we don't even pay attention to Scripture. We've we've made the Bible into something that we want it to be. Mm, all yeah. those sorts of things. Okay, so so I'll, I'll start by saying. Uh, um, I believe we, we mentioned the Second Vatican Council in the last episode, uh, but the, the Second Vatican Council came out with a, a document, the Dogmatic Constitution on uh, Divine Revelation called Dei Verbum, on the Word of God. It's short. It's probably the shortest uh, document of the Second Vatican Council. Well done. Wonderful. It's a great place for people to start. D-E-I-V-E-R-B-U-M. Just look it up on Google, read it, whatever. It's good. The, the way that I come at um, the, the Catholic understanding of scriptures um, is, is kind of encapsulated, encapsulated there. They talk about the scriptures being a mirror, a mirror to the lived faith of the church. <laughs> okay, what, when did the New Testament get written? This is what a lot of people don't know. Historically, the New Testament didn't start being right. St. Paul wrote his first letter in like 50, 54, or something like that, that first Thessalonians or something like that. Uh, you can consult commentaries to find out the exact dates. 
I don't give, I, I'm very bad at like approximates. Yeah, I give approximates. Yeah. Um, when did when did it conclude? Well, about the year 100 when John writes the Apocalypse, the, the Book of Revelation, right? Right. Uh, so you have a 50 year period when the canon of of the New Testament is being written, but Jesus died on the cross year 33 A.D. Well, what happened from 33 to 50, 54? And then what happened from really 33 to 100? And then there were a lot of other things being written that weren't canonical scriptures and they were being passed around as if they were. What happened from the year 33 till around 200, 300 when lists, official lists of canons were being brought up by synods and, and councils? What did the, what did the church do? Well, people will say, well, are you a Bible-based Christian? I'm like, no. And it freaks people out. Hmm. They thought, oh, well, we knew it. Those Catholics, they don't believe in the Bible. No, 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 hang on. I'm a Jesus-based Christian. The word made flesh is, 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 is the center of our faith. Now, those who have encountered the word made flesh and are joined sacramentally to the word made flesh through baptism, through the sacramental life of the church, we are made one with him, well, then we start telling our story, and we live it. So the sacred tradition comes first. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, in the, in the, in the Christian sphere, sacred tradition came first. The, the life of Christ passed down through apostolic succession, through the generations of Christians, you know, telling the story. And then Scripture comes. St. Paul and the Gospel writers... You would say probably the complete part of Scripture, the New Testament. Yeah, okay. So when my, what I'm saying, uh, Scripture in this context, is absolutely the New Testament. Because, of course, you have the Hebrew canon. Well, not even the Hebrew canon. But we can get into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will. But like the inherited Scriptures of the Jewish people. Right. And they had their own process of canonization-ish. Uh, and they have their delineations of authority, you know, Torah. And then the, the, so you have the, the Pentateuch and the, and, and the writings and the, the prophets. Targum. You know, all that stuff. Um, so uh, the, the New Testament was a product of the church. If you didn't have the church living the faith already, you would not have the New Testament. It didn't, it testament. It didn't come down on, uh, you know, a, a, a golden, you know, uh, platter from heaven, angels right. bringing it down. You know, it was written by human authors that were already living in Christ. And that is an important thing for us. Uh, so we as Catholic Christians, we would say the, the, the Bible is our book or the New Testament is our book. We would say St. Peter, St. Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jude. You know, these, these guys were Catholic in the, in the, in the sense of they, they had the fullness of the, of the universal faith that was handed down from Jesus to the apostles. And so they were writing uh, the uh, these these um, scriptures writings uh, for the sake of codifying, mirroring the faith that they uh, professed. So the scriptures are sort of the the written record of that which was already believed, right? Right. And then when we go forward a hundred, two hundred, three hundred years, and there are scriptures that don't mirror what the church believed the gospel of thomas the proto evangelium of james the you know the the gospel of peter the you know all these gnostic gospels and erroneous gospels and things that are going on 
the church says that's not what we believe. It doesn't mirror our faith. And so they excluded them from the New Testament canon. But right now I have to do a timeout because this is, uh, you know, this is where we both need to defend the faith together. Mm. Uh, For starters, Protestants should be in agreement. You read uh, John chapter 5 and, you know, Jesus says, you believe you have life because of these scriptures, basically. Uh, but these are the words that testify about me. Well, the words, but not the written words. It's the oral word passed down. Well, <coughs> yeah, but what he's talking about is the written word. Well, Jesus from, is in that chapter. From the prophecies? Yeah, I mean, oh, you're going to make me get uh, yeah, a Bible. Get your Bible. Uh, but I don't have my phone readily available. You're going to have to look it up. But I think it's uh, John chapter 5. Uh, I think it's in the 40s. I can't remember exactly which. Now we're both having to get yeah. our Bibles out. But uh, all that to say, going going with that, um, we we are about Jesus Christ, and the Scriptures are what you know. Of course, we believe point us to Jesus. We should be Jesus based Christians. That and the way we mm-hmm. the way we would say our authority for understanding who Jesus is, Protestants would say, is from the Scriptures. Uh, but but where we both need to defend the faith is this thing with the Gnostic Gospels and these other writings. Yes. Okay, first of all, it's not that the church just got together and said, hmm, where should we say this gets to be in the Bible and this has to be out of the Bible? Mm-hmm. It's just our opinion. Uh, the Gnostic Gospels came about, and this was even early church fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irenaeus even made fun of this in mm-hmm. Against Heresies of, like, these books came... To you know, a hundred years later, uh, they they they're not as new. They don't have any ancient source. They're clearly historical fakes. And if you read, you know, Gospel of Thomas, uh, they, these a lot of these books have. Is well, that the one where, the, where Jesus has the little bird come back to life, and or he taunts the little children that are bullying him? I think that's it's the one in, of them. infancy Gospel of Thomas, where Jesus has them all put to death for <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, that's the infancy Gospel. Yeah. Um, so these, so they're not, they're not, they're not really even good news. Yeah. They're they're usually like uh, demonstrating his power, yeah, but yeah, capriciously. They, they're in a different. They're they're in a much different. Um, they're obviously different. A different faith. They are not reflecting the same kind Correct. of ideas. But on top of that, even if, even if it, you know, just because they're different ideas doesn't mean they would be out. The fact that you can't back them up with any like historical reality is what makes them out. And so, and that's, Prot- one of the, that's one of the criteria. One of the criteria for canonicity. Right. Uh, and and Protestants would say, you know, there's the uh, the canon was more discovered than it was chosen. It was a these are the, clearly the books that it's were discerned. Yeah, discerned uh, collectively by the church. It was it, yeah. it wasn't lining up with the whole of the truth. So the Holy Spirit was involved, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But it, but there's certain tests that you can apply that right. demonstrate whether or not something belongs in there. Like if well, somebody like wrote a book that just agreed with everything right. today, that doesn't get to be in the canon. I think it had to be connected to an apostle, historically like uh, situated. So early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had to um, be universally accepted. So, in other words, that yep. Jerusalem would accept it, and Rome would accept it, and these are the books that we can't leave out. Alexander are the yeah. only ones that yeah. made it in. If they were yeah. close, uh, or even books that were, would be considered good, right, smart, uh, helpful for everyone in the faith, not really f- have any error, but still doesn't belong in the in the canon yeah. because 
It's not, it's not a book that is tied back to all these well, things. Well, there's things in the Old Testament like that. You have things like, um, uh, 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 even beyond the, what's not in the Deuterocanonical books. Uh, now I'm just drawing a blank. I had them in my mind. Um, what's the name of that book? You might be thinking of Esther. No, no, no. Esther's in the Deuterocanonical. It's in our, it's in the scriptures. Esther is. Oh, you're thinking of a book that's outside of the canon. Yes. That does, that's contested. There are, there are books out there. I believe the Orthodox have, you were the one telling me about, uh, the Orthodox have a, a book that's not what we would consider, I forgot the name of it though. I can't remember which one it is. It's a lot of those. But yes, they do have a different canon from, from you. Yeah. Yes. They have a Psalm uh, 151, too. I don't believe you guys have that, do you? Well, the numbering of Psalms is very interesting. You know, no, the numbers in the Bible are not Ar- canonical. Yeah. They're right. arbitrary. Right. They, they are, they are, Catholics put them in, <laughs> you know, monks put them in to, to, to be able to say, well, where were you talking about exactly? Well, let's, okay, let me just codify this a little bit. So there's no numbering system. Like I, I've seen on online, all these people, they're like, what's the middle verse of the middle, th- middle? well, come on. Right. That, it's kind right. of an arbitrary. Don't try to make a system out of this thing that people, yeah. Right. And, and so a case in point is the Psalms. They they are numbered differently in different versions and translations, um, but they're always ending up ending up in the Catholic tradition with one hundred and fifty. Even right. though you might have, like, no, they psalm have a totally 50. extra psalm. I, I believe it has to oh. do with uh, David fighting Goliath. Okay, yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that there's, there's even examples of that. I'm not a scripture scholar, so I, I'm, I can't pull them out of my head. Uh, but there are examples even in the Old Testament of things that are close to being canonical. But they're not. Right. Right. Now, we, we take the Septuagint. Like why, people say, well, why does the Catholic Bible have more, more, more books than the Protestant Bible? Did you add stuff to? Of course we didn't add anything to it. We took what was being used by Jesus, namely the Septuagint, mm. and just incorporated it as our own. It was only later, uh, the Council of Jamnia and all that stuff, where they, 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 um, when, when Jerusalem had fallen... And the Jewish people were re, trying to re-understand themselves in this now Roman world where they had been conquered. Uh, they were trying to get their identity back, and it was centered around the language. And so they they reduced it to just the Hebrew canon. This was after Jesus. This is after the church had already begun right. for so long. So to take out the quote-unquote deuterocanonical books would be to take away things that Jesus himself would have known, used, and understood as canonical scripture. And so we we that time. Yeah, we have always understood the Septuagint as what Jesus would have understood, and it's the inheritance of the, the, the early Christian church. Most Protestants are acknowledging that now. Most Protestant Bibles will have at least the Apocrypha as a as a well, we put it in there. I yeah, I don't know if I would say most, but they're they're out there now. Okay. So let's we should we should just explain some terms here. So there are There are books that are called the Apocrypha. When Protestants say that term, they're talking about books that are clearly uh, not belonging in anyone's scripture. They're they're clearly pseudo-epigrapha, false writings. This would be these these gospels that, like a gospel of Thomas, Gnostic gospels written by heretics. Then there's something called the proto-canonical books, which would be which means first canon. 
And the first canon books would be the books that Protestants and Catholics all acknowledge as scripture. Then you have something called deuterocanonical, which means second canon. And second canonical books uh, are called Apocrypha by Protestants, but there's a distinction between uh, Apocrypha and deuterocanonical books for the Catholics and the Orthodox. Mm-hmm. The deuterocanonical books for the Catholics are of uh, they're they're second in that they came later, but they are considered of the same level yes. of importance as the protocanonical books. So they're all canon. Yes. In the Orthodox Church, they have a little more or less centralization as far as how they think through things. So for some Orthodox, protocanonical and deuterocanonical books are on the same um, level of importance. And for other churches, I believe it is the Russian Church that says. Deuterocanonical books, secondary importance, but still part of the canon. So they're less important. And even, you know, how the church treats things. I mean, the reason why your gospels are the first four books of the New Testament is that the church, even back then, said gospels are, are, uh, of, these are the most important books in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of an elevated importance, but that, that's not like making them like a proto-canonical kind of feel. It's just this idea of, what books were more important has been in the church for a long time. I'm just trying to give Protestants. Well, they're, sort of a they're also trying to structure the New Testament akin to the structure of the of the Old Testament. Tell the story first. Your 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 Pentateuch. Right. You know, you're you got you have your Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So now you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Right. So th- there you go. There, there's your Pentateuch. All right. Then you go into the 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 prophets and things oh, right. of course it's skipping the historical book but there, there's acts for the historical books and then you have the 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 teachings of 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 the prophets where you have Paul right and the others you know Peter John and uh, uh, Jude um, yeah. yeah and then then, then of course there is there is um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, ap- 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 apocalyptic in like Daniel. And, and, and places in Isaiah, and, and there's other places where mm-hmm. there's, there's and so right. we have, apocalypses. So we have Book of Revelation. So going back to more of what David said, so he was saying Jesus living in his time would have been reading these books that are deuterocanonical. Uh, that that I don't think Protestants have a great argument against, and this is something where we do need to have some conversations. I and to say no. Take me at what I'm saying. I'm choosing my words carefully. I'm not saying we need, as Protestants, we need to completely revise the canon or that, uh, you know, that it's not some uh, admission that we're wrong. Uh, I'm not going that far or saying those things. Okay, so don't email me about it. But the conversations do need to happen and it needs to be discussed. And this is why. Uh, Well, I think accusations of... You took books, or you put books into the Bible that weren't there before, or you took books that out of the Bible that weren't. Uh, that's not fair. Hurling yeah, insults and, fair. and things like that is not helpful. So the, the the Maccabees books, which are in the canon of uh, and the, only took the place canonical books three hundred years before Jesus. Right, those no? books were read by Jesus. He cites, or he he doesn't cite. He he goes to the temple for the Feast of Dedication he in John chapter Hanukkah. 10. He's clearly living in that culture. It's acknowledged in Scripture that he is doing stuff that is as a result of that Maccabean Correct. story that everybody's got. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, I believe, is is even a 
an allusion to some stuff that Maccabees says, it, it would have been recognized by the people of the time as clearly a warfare prayer. Interesting. Uh, I didn't heard that before. And uh, so, so when when Jesus, you know, the, he, the, these books are somewhat referenced. Now, there is an argument among, amongst Protestants, and I, I think this is uh, these are by people way smarter than me. There was no standardized version of the Septuagint. Well, so but that's the nature. Of, but the Septuagint itself was the miraculous translation, right? But you're right; there were other, but but it did codices it, of it. To say that it didn't exist is also too far of a. Mm-hmm. Protestant polemic against uh, Catholic ideas. So Jesus would have. Um, Philo, he, isn't it? Isn't he, it he clearly encountered these these books. He yeah. clearly uh, was in that culture, mm-hmm. and he definitely quoted using Septuagint, or at least the New Testament. Well, he didn't quote, but the the New Testament writers, when Jesus is quoting certain things, it's quite possible that he's coming from the Septuagint. You have the um, right. And you have Paul the quoting from quoting it, the yeah. Septuagint. Mm-hmm. It's clearly not the the original Hebrew version. It's the he, it's, it's the, the translation it's the of Greek, Greek into because Paul writes. I mean, the whole New Greek, Testament is he, written in Greek. And when he's quoting Hebrew scriptures, he's quoting the Greek version, not Correct. the Hebrew version Correct. of those scriptures. Now, here's why this is important, at least to some people. The Orthodox would even argue that the inspired version of Scripture is the Greek translation and the Greek Septuagint, not the original Hebrew scriptures, because that's the one used by the apostles. It sounds it sounds like a little bit of a well, I'm in love with the Greek language and so I'm just as if saying, it's if as it's if it's like the Arabic of of Islam, you know, is uh, the Arabic language for for Islam right. is the holy language and it, it's like blessed by God because it's Arabic. So maybe the Greeks have that same kind of... If people are wanting to make fun of it, this is like the authorized 1611 version of the King James Bible If the King James Version was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Now, that's very vicious to say (laughs) uh, about (laughs) uh, Orthodox. And that's not even a good comparison. I just know that people do that, and that's that's garbage. But my point here is... uh, as Protestants, we need to repent of not reading those books. If they were in Jesus' time, uh, and Jesus clearly had them in, in what he would have been studying and reading and understanding, these are, these are at least, at the very least, far more important than any book you're going to find on a Christian uh, bookstore bookshelf. Right. These, uh, these are valuable... Chicken soup for the soul. Or books, the yes. <laughs> so. These are valuable books that we should be reading and understanding to get a context of of all all these things, and, and I don't know Protestants that know their stuff that really disagree with that. Well, I think it's a fear factor that maybe I'll if get they some read kind this, then they're going to become right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 it's just like what we started in the last uh, podcast. Don't we want to become one? You know, if 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 becoming one means that 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 maybe. Uh, you know, we have to drop down a lot of the, not only enmity, but fear. Right. That's keeping us apart. It's right. not just enmity, it's fear. Right. Anyway. So let's go back to your overall belief in, in Scripture. Is is Scripture the inspired Word of God? Yes. Reverend Carter? So again, going back to that Dave Airbomb, you're going to talk about that the, uh, it is, it is the, uh, message that God wanted to be uh, written down, but it's written in human language by human authors 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's the inspired word of God is what God willed to be written. Now let's talk about inerrancy. Do you yeah. believe it is the inerrant word of God? Uh, yeah, so um, yes, the, the, the short answer is we do believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, but but let's not uh, confuse that with uh, could there be a typo in, in a typographical edition? Could, you know, could right. there be some kind of uh, copy tra- translation error uh, or, or something like that? that? That's not what we mean. We mean in the, in the macro sense of this is what, you know, it, 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 the data of Scripture transmits to us authentically what God desires for us to know for our salvation. Right. Uh, and Protestants that know their stuff, again, now these, these are people that have done their homework on researching vast, vast amounts of YouTube videos. Uh, that's a, sorry. Um, <laughs> the modern means of it, Wikipedia used to be. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, but the, the Protestants that would know their stuff about this, it, this is the... Um, you know, as far as translation, I believe Bart Ehrman wrote the book on this where he was trying to basically say scripture is not true because there's these copyist errors and all these uh, different things. That that really, his argument is pretty philosophically terrible. Flawed, yeah, um, absolutely. We we do have the, the scriptures, the copyist traditions have helped make sure that we, we know that what we have is but the, the Bible. But the Dead Sea Scrolls actually help to confirm that... The, the codexes that we have, which which are more uh, recent, in other words, they're later editions, conform to very early editions. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls yes. with the Essene yes. community, they had these things, and almost word for word with yes. very little copyist yes. error. And almost, yes. it, it kind of rocked the world because up until the 1930s when they found this, there was this movement like airmen and all these guys of, of basically discounting the scriptures as if they, they could, they, they, there's no way they could be authentic because they've, they've been copied so many times. There's so many errors in it. Right. There's no way that it could actually contain the fullness that, and so that you had, Every, this there were scholars that had built their career on the book of Daniel uh, is, is a much later book than what we have. And, and then when like, they found it and then they were like, oops. all those people, their careers, all their writings, yep. garbage, yep, yep, garbage. Yep. Overnight, and it, sh- it was in the forties that they it, discovered. It was nineteen thirty something, and then it and they they were discovering more and more over like a decade. I think it was so many caves. Okay, yeah, but I, it was nineteen thirty something was the first discovery. Oh. Did you is, did you come up with something? I'm, I'm working on okay. internet, but I don't I don't have internet at the oh, Basilica. Yeah. They don't they don't welcome. Well, it's it, it, we're in this room, and it doesn't get very good internet. Uh, we'll yeah. we'll get it. We'll yeah, get anyway. it, folks. Uh, for fact checking as we go. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 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 I think that the 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 testimony of the Dead Sea Scrolls should just kind 46. of forty six. It was forty six. No, oh, it was nineteen four thirty. Okay, forty six. I was a whole decade off. Thank you for correcting me. Fact checks. Yay. Yeah, Google, yeah. Thank you, Google. <laughs> if that's what you use, surely, surely, the, I found it in three different places on the internet. That means it's definitely a. Fact. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes, so, forty six. Okay, um, so. It almost should. It almost should make us uh, question all the hoopla. Oh goodness! All the hoopla that was going on in the in the eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, and into the early part of the nineteen hundreds, with basically throwing out Christ, the data of Christianity, throwing out you know the search for the historical Jesus and right. all this kind of stuff. It it, it almost. It's almost like scholars have turned a blind eye uh, 
to the fact that they had erroneous assumptions in the 1800s. Most of the arguments against Scripture that people throw out these days are 150-year-old arguments Mm -hmm. that are terrible. And have been debunked completely. The church changed... Changed what the scriptures have said. Right. That is beyond, beyond, right. beyond a historic it impossibility. Like a Dan Brown kind it, it's, of, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's the it's Divinci beyond Code a joke kind of thing. Uh, and and just physically, geographically, politically impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. And anyone and has makes, been proven false. Yes, anyone who makes that argument does not know what they're talking about. Right. Just it's not even a matter of opinion. Well, here's propaganda. Yeah. We are so susceptible to propaganda, and we're seeing that ever more yes. in our own day. Facebook and yes. Twitter and all this, and, and emotional manipulation. We have to we have to be good and have a good critical eye and a good yes. critical heart in the in the proper sense of that term of of discerning the spirits that are telling us what they're telling us. If it's inciting hatred and division and animosity and enmity. That's not of the Spirit of God. Right, right. Well, ob- you know, obviously we could talk about all of this stuff for hours. Yeah. We, we're not, we haven't even begun to exhaust uh, this. Um, ho- let me just, in sum, you know, put this together. Uh, there's, there's books that the Catholics read that Protestants could benefit uh, from reading. Uh, the books that are in your Protestant Bible are the books that are universally agreed upon by the entire church. Uh, that, but that's it. But we don't want to be reductionist. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we are, um, we're in agreement that Scripture is inerrant, and it is uh, yeah. the Word of God. The revealed Word of it's God. It's inspired, and that it is, it is an effective life-giving tool. I think yes. we can end with the thoughts of, St. Jerome, who's in your catechism of, what is it, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of, Christ. of God. Of Christ. Of Christ. That's what okay. Jerome says. All right. So we'll, we'll leave it there. And so read your Bibles, folks. Catholics, yeah. Protestants, Orthodox, read your Bibles. By it's the good way, for you. Here's, here's a little zinger for the end. All right. There is actually an indulgence attached to reading scripture. Oh. If you read scripture for 15 <laughs> minutes a day, the church grants an indulgence. Mm, well, bonus. <laughs> so bonus. <laughs> that just blows Catholics. people's minds. <laughs> We're going to stop with that. Yeah, right. All right. Amen. Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P dot org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.